Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. So good to be here today with you. And uh, wow, what a privilege. This is my first time in Cambridge. So I've never been here before. And uh, I'm going to just say it. I love this church. I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, when I come to Cambridge, is, is it okay? This is my church. Is that okay? I want to make this just my... Plus, you guys have the coolest water balls I've ever seen at any church. And uh, that's, that's pretty amazing, uh, the water balls right there. But what a privilege to be here. Come on, give this worship team a big hand. I mean, you guys brought us in the presence of God. So good. I, I, was, I was telling Angie just how... Man, just how I felt the presence of God with this team as they led us. And, and how many knows this? I got a chance to spend some time with your pastors uh, last night, and they showed me a little around Cambridge. It's a little overwhelming. You know, when you go to a place where Sir Isaac Newton created the, you know, universal law of gravity, right? And there's the place. <laughs> and there's the apple tree, you know, and all those things. So uh, just so impressive. But I, I believe this. How many knows you, you have some of the best pastors in all the world right here at your church? I want you to honor them today. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for the privilege to be here today. And uh, we've been traveling a lot. We started out in, uh, in uh, Scotland, and we spoke there, and uh, we're presenting about reaching uh, those with special needs. And then we did a tour with Ken, uh, Ken and Jay John this past week and traveled all throughout. And uh, we spoke to about 800 leaders to just open their hearts to uh, this unreached people group. You know, special needs is the most unreached people group in the world now. Uh, 94% do not go to church, yet there are now millions, especially because of autism. And I really believe this. You know, how we do evangelism is changing. Uh, uh, because we've got to begin to go the extra mile uh, to reach these kids and families. But I thank God for a church like yours that just has a heart to be open, to walk on that journey. And uh, uh, that encourages me, and I know it will help so many families. You know, one cool thing that I did, um, I've been doing, for the last three years, uh, I've done my ancestry and DNA. Americans love to do that, right? (laughs) And I did my ancestry and DNA, and... I found out some shocking things, actually. Uh, so I have about four lines uh, and that go back the farthest. There's a lot of lines, but you really find the ones that go back the farthest. And uh, I, w- I was shocked that one of my lines traces back to England, and my 15th great-grandmother is Joan Shakespeare, William Shakespeare's sister. So that was kind of cool, right? And then I became even more shocked uh, uh, on that uh, on another line, my, my, my great-grandfather, his son was William Tyndale. So the Tyndale house is right here, right? Yeah, you know, I can't hardly believe it, tell you the truth. But, but when, you, when you follow that, so, you know, I feel like I've just come home. So it feels pretty good here today and to be with you. Well, if you'll turn your Bibles right now. You know, we're continuing uh, the series, and, and we really want to welcome all of those that are on church online right now that are watching. We just want to welcome you and so glad that you were able to join us today. But I want to speak to you, and we really want to center on the aspect of communication. And this is huge when you're talking about relationships. 
when you're talking about intimacy, when you're talking about any of these things. But I want to talk to you today on communication in crisis. How many knows as a family and as a couple, you're going to face some crisis in your life? Whether it's crisis in your marriage, whether your child goes through something, whether you deal with something as a family, you're going to face that crisis in your life. And how do you navigate that? How do you work through that? Well, I love the scripture in Ephesians chapter 3, and that's where we're looking at. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. And I'm going to speak out of the New Living Translation today. But it says this, Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. And your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. The reason why I felt like God gave me that scripture is communication within a relationship is kind of like a root system in a tree. The roots are the tree's source of water and the tree's source of nutrients. And when a tree has a strong system thriving in its root system, the leaves and the branches of the tree are healthy and whole. But when it's not strong, it begins to wither. See, the root system also gives a tree the care, the core support when storms come. So it doesn't matter if the tree gets pushed back and forth and it may sway back and it may even bend. But many times if your root system is strong, it will bend, but it won't break. And you know, I believe that's how it's like even in life, isn't it? When you're looking at your relationships, when you're looking at your marriages, how many has been at that place where, man, you, you were bending <laughs> and you were about to break and some of us do break at times and, and that's okay because we know God can put those things back together again. But I found myself in those situations when things were bending, when I was in crisis, when I was dealing with different things in my family, we had to ask ourselves a question in our marriage. I think that all couples will have to face to have a strong marriage and it is this when you're faced with crisis when communication is broken down when you're struggling or you've kind of kind of separated and went went different ways even though you're still living in the same house when your family's struggling the key question to ever get that back or allow that tree to bend back and stand up again is this question right here we had to ask ourselves this question are you willing? Are you willing? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to have the marriage and family you've always hoped and dreamed of, especially in crisis? Are you willing to do it? And many times when you see divorce or when you see different things happen, it's because one of either spouse has decided that they're not willing. They've come to some place along that road and they've decided that they're, they're not willing. And no matter how hard the other one tries, if that one, one spouse decides they're not willing, it could cause separation and break up. You know, our marriage pastors, and I think uh, your pastors shared this, but we had a similar survey. And we had, they asked 14,000 different couples that were kind of on this mailing list. And they, they asked them, really to rank with each couple's greatest needs or issues and where from greatest to least where they ranked. And the options included, you know, things such as intimacy, which I'm sure you touch on the series, communication, which we're talking about today, and finances. 
The response was shocking to say the least, and I think you had a similar uh, response. The surveys told us that they were not alone in the struggle of communication, that in fact, 98% of the surveys received said that the number one issue in the marriage was communication. The lack of, the breaking down of it. And the remaining 2% may have been newlyweds because <laughs> they claim not to have any issues, right? <laughs> and we know that changes, doesn't it, as it goes along. But what a man, when a man or woman, when they feel the most fulfilled is when they feel two things, when they feel valued and when they feel listened to. But it's always a choice, isn't it? It's a choice to do it. It's a choice to go on that journey. It's a choice to seek counseling. It's a choice to do the little extra. See, what I found to be true is that many times when we're not willing to go the extra mile, that's when different things begin to break down, don't they? Communication in different ways. I, I love what T. Jake says. He says, silence isn't golden, and it surely doesn't mean consent. So start practicing the art of communication. And you know, during our greatest crisis between my wife, our family, our children, we learn how to communicate effectively. Isn't that interesting? That even in our greatest crisis, that's where, really where we learn to communicate effectively because we were willing to not quit. We were willing to go the extra mile. People ask me all the time, what's the key to success? And I'll tell you that's easy, never giving up. Somewhere down the road, God is going to meet you at that crossroads if you won't give up, if you'll keep on trying, if you keep on working at it. Listen, marriage and having a great family is hard work, isn't it? But if you won't give up, even when it seems overwhelming, if you'll keep on taking that step, God can use that. God can work his masterpiece in your life. The definition of communication, it says, is imparting or exchanging of information. And on the surface, a conversation with your spouse may seem as simple as just speaking and listening, right? But how many knows this? It's a lot more difficult than that. <laughs> the art of listening, the art of being willing to talk about things and work out things. And if you want to have effective communication in your marriage or family, there's so much more that comes into play. It's, it's not just speaking and listening, but how about the tone of your voice? It means a lot when you're dialoguing with your spouse about a topic. Have you ever heard your spouse say, don't use that tone with me? <laughs> right? And, the, you know, it, it's kind of like, you know, I, I always look at it like this. You know, you can either challenge your spouse or you encourage your spouse, Right? And with a challenge, you can get two responses. You can get a defensive response or you can get a positive response based on how you approach it. But the great thing about encouragement is that you'll always usually get a positive response. You can say no to your spouse through encouragement and they just don't know. They just got told no, right? And it's funny how when you're, when you're speaking and, and when you're walking through those things, I think also something that's important with communication is your timing of your conversation plays a huge role, right? When you're facing different things, how many knows when you say at the right time, they're accepting of your communication. When you say at the wrong time, they go, I can't believe you said this when I was feeling this way. I can't believe you said this when I was feeling so bad. 
And it kind of, kind of begins to change that. Also, you know, I think one of the most important things is listening. Really to have effective communication, our marriage has been saved by these steps of tone, of timing, of, of, of listening, and, and just the art of listening. I love how, you know, Rick Warren says this, even in your prayer life. Many times we're so busy talking to God, what if we turned around and in our devotional life, instead of having 20 minutes where you're praying and 10 minutes where you're listening, turn that around and have 20 minutes where you're listening and 10 minutes where you're praying and watch God do some great things in your life. Because who knows more than God, right? And it's the same with our spouse, you know. We as men, we want to tell and give the solution to every problem, right? Right away, where all our spouse really wanted to do when she got home was just wanting us to listen. And if we wouldn't move so quickly to giving the answer and we just listen, she's not really wanting the answer sometimes. She just wanted to know if you care, if she's being listened to. Another thing that we knew that was so important is choosing to forgive and work through conflict. You know, this is important because if you've been married any length of time, you've probably had some type of conflict or there was a conflict going on in your family and maybe it was just a small one, small disagreement, but how many times have you seen a small disagreement build and build and build into something that you didn't recognize after it went to this height? And you know what? It may have been small, but we forget it could have been worse and one thing is true, there will be conflict in marriage and families, but the important thing is how you respond to that conflict, how you look at it, your perspective. And we begin to enlarge our grace for each other, and when we begin to do that and we enlarge our grace, we give room for that conflict not to grow, but to stop it right where it's at. And I think it builds each other and becomes easier to forgive and you know, I kind of look at it like this way. You know, we need kickstarters in our life for conversation, right? We need kickstarters in our life for communication. And one of the kickstarters that I found, and, and, and as we begin to pray as a couple, and, and even in our devotional life, and how we looked at things and stuff was, you know, we begin to do things intentionally. And I think you have to do things intentionally to really begin to build communication. For instance, one of the things that we found out that was a kickstar was, my wife and I learned how to go on a date with each other. And you know, how many knows this life can get busy, can it? And it's easy for couples that have been married for a while to get comfortable. But it's so important that you just take that time where you can get away from everything that's going on. And I found this to be true with my wife, is that whether it was every other week or if it was really busy, having a date once a month where we could talk about things, where we could work out things and everything, it was so powerful. It was a kickstarter for communication, and it allowed us to, where the enemy wants to kind of build a wedge within us for communication, it allowed us to really talk about things and bring things together. As a family, one of the most important things that I tell couples to do is this. You know, you need to celebrate key events in your life. I see so many couples passing over anniversaries, which that's an important time. I'm so proud, you know, just this past January, you know, me and my wife celebrated our 30th anniversary, right? Which is unbelievable, right? That's by far the longest I've ever went out with a girl, so that's a big deal right there. 
And, you know, we, we, we made it big. We did something big. We just didn't go, oh, that, that was 30 years. Great. You know, we went, we came here to Europe, actually. We went to Greece. And my wife, because we have made every anniversary special, and rem- remember the conversations, we got away this year. And, you know, I'm, I'm, when I go on vacations, I like activity. I've got a lot of energy, right? And I like activity. But God spoke to me and said, Craig, have you really ever rested on a vacation? And you know what? I don't know if I have. I've always went to places that had activity. And this year we, we went to an island and no one was there. <laughs> and we had no choice but to talk, right? And, but through that, we had long conversations. The pastor were incredible. It was so real because and, and, you couldn't do anything else. You know, that was about it. But wow, when we came together, it was so rich and so rewarding. So you've got to set yourself up in those situations. Also, you know, I remember with our kids, one of the most important things that we've learned to do sitting around communication is your kids appreciate all the things that you do, going to soccer, uh, their soccer practices, support them in school. We know how busy that gets. You're running to different places and different things. But one of the things we've tried to do to encourage communication, also celebrate as a family, is we make sure we take a vacation every year with our family. You know, it's interesting. My kids can't remember a lot of the things that we do for them all the time, but they can remember every vacation we've ever taken. And it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. Maybe it's a staycation, right? And, and you're just doing different things around here because maybe as a young couple with a child, you don't have a lot of money. But, but it's amazing how they remember those times because you made those times special. You went the extra mile. You didn't do it just like everybody else did it. And what tends to happen is that begins to build and build and build until you have strong pillars in your marriage, strong pillars in your relationship. And it makes a huge difference when it comes to communication. Amen? But then, you know, there are, other, there are two other Kickstarters that we looked at. And one of the things that we looked at was how we handled things in crisis. And I want to show you my family real, really quick, if they can put them up. This is my beautiful family right here. And uh, that's Corey. And Corey's 28 years old. And he's a children's pastor. Uh, at Lakewood, and, and he's a teacher, and uh, he's single, so I'll be taking applications after church uh, for anybody that wants to, to meet Cora. I'm just kidding. Uh, then that's my daughter, Courtney. She's 26 years old, and she's an actress and also uh, uh, produces and directs and, and works part of a production team. She's worked on movies like A Case for Christ and God's Not Dead and some different movies like that. And uh, really proud of her. That's my son, Connor. Now, it's a little bit younger picture of Connor. Uh, Connor is now 16 years old. And Connor doesn't realize it right now, but God's using him to touch people all over the world. Connor uh, uh, has a diagnosis where he's on the middle of the spectrum with autism. And then, of course, that's my beautiful wife, Samantha. We're really happy right there because we're in Disney World, right? And uh, we're having a great time right now. But you know what? I'll never forget this, Pastor. Uh, we had our lives all planned out. We were going to have our children when we were younger, and we did. You know, we had Corey about a year after we, we, uh, we, we were married and, 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 and stuff like that, and, and, and it was so exciting. Then we had Courtney, you know, about a year and a half after that. And, you know, we had a boy and a girl. We thought we were done having children. How many knows this? You may make your plans, but God, <laughs> that's right. 
And we thought we were done having children, and so we had a 10-year-old and 12-year-old boy and girl. It seemed perfect. We had them young. We figured by the time they went to college, we could go and travel and minister and do all these different things. But God had another plan because on a Thursday, I went to get that operation and stop having children, right? And then on the following Saturday, my wife came in crying, and she said, you won't believe this, but I'm pregnant, and then I start crying, right? And we're holding each other. I said, what happened? She said, what do you mean, what happened? <laughs> and I'll never forget, you know, after we got through the shock, we were so excited to have Connor. You know, Connor was just like our other two kids. And, and Connor would have playmates that would come over and play with him. And, and he would give, him, give them uh, uh, or give us a hug and a kiss. And and he would, he would say so many words, even about the time between when he was one and a half and two, he had, he had a lot of language, even more language than our, two, uh, our other two kids. And he would say, I love you, mommy and daddy, and say all these words. But when he was about five years old, or when he was about two years old, all of a sudden, that shifted in a matter of about two to three weeks. Where he played with other friends, now all of a sudden, he would come and sit down, he'd stare off the wall and play by himself. Where he would say or show so much emotion and give us a hug and a kiss and all these different types of things. Now he showed very little emotion whatsoever and wouldn't even look us in the eye and would look away. Where he would say, I love you, mommy and daddy. And he would say so many words that made that emotional connection of love and everything. Now he stopped speaking altogether. The only way I can really explain it is it was like a bad car wreck. Where one day your child's one way, another day your child's another way. And you know, when you find out your child, and we soon found out that he was on the middle of the spectrum, when you get that diagnosis, you know, it seems like a finality. But, but I was about to find out that even on my worst day, I might become someone else's best hope. We begin to walk on this journey that many special needs families, as a matter of fact, autism has grown at such a rate since the early 80s, it's grown over 300%. Ten years ago... In America alone, 1 in 110 kids were being diagnosed with autism. Now it's 1 in 48. And when I go anywhere across the UK, I mean family after family are, are having to, to walk through this similar journey. And you're going to walk through the, the challenges that you face as a family. And it was, we didn't realize it, but we were about to go through a drought that was epic. And, and it was going to be crisis for our family and crisis for our marriage. And you face different things like how you're going to develop your child. Even going to church, most families aren't in church. 94% of families aren't in church yet. Now there are millions of families like mine because less than 1% of the church in America have anything for special needs. And my son can't sit in a service like this. And so many of these families are shut in. And then the other thing you face is rejection from society. And how does a marriage survive? How does a family work through those things? When you're faced with this and, and you're walking through it and everything, even as a couple, you know, some of the things that we face was this. What a mother does when they have a child with special needs is they attach themselves to that child. Because, see, their mothers are very maternal. And so, so what they do, that child becomes their mission. When a dad sees his child that has autism and everything, he, want, he, he tries to connect with them emotionally. When there is no emotion, 
When there's nothing really to connect to outside of your love for your, your child, what tends to happen is, is a wall begins to be built up. And then within your marriage, the mother's looking at the dad and saying, why aren't you doing what I'm doing? Why, aren't you, why, why isn't your child the mission? The dad's going, I'm just trying to connect with my son. I'm just trying to connect with my daughter. And then if there are any other issues in your marriage, like communication, like finances, because you'll face that, any other difficulties and everything, it's like the enemy just wants to put a wedge right there in the middle of your relationship. And I remember that's exactly what began to happen because we didn't know what to do. And there were just key things that we learned during that time as we were walking through this. One thing that we learned that was so important because we we're facing these ongoing challenges, not only for our marriage, but also for our kids, because you have to put so much focus on the one child, and you've got to remember you've got two others over here that you've got to make sure they're supported, they're cared for. It was overwhelming at times. But I remember this. God showed us two things when you're in crisis as far as communication that were key. And one thing he taught us is we learned the power of, as a couple, of praying together. This is so important that when we face conflict, when we face difficulties, you know, many times we, whether, you know, there's a lot of responses that we make. Some of you become silent when you get upset. Some of you want to deal with it right there and you get mad and you yell, right? And then you're the type of person that after you get that off your shoulder, you're over with and you want to say, I'm sorry. And so all of us deal with it in different ways and, and everything. But one of the key ways that God taught us is we learn the power of praying together. That when we face some sort of crisis or some sort of argument, and we had to push ourselves to do this, we would just stop right there and we'd begin to pray when it started to get really bad. And we said, let's just stop right now and let's pray. And let me tell you something, it diffused just about every argument, every time when we didn't know what to say, every time when we, it felt overwhelming and we could feel the presence of God. See, we learned the secret of overcoming a potential valley season in our marriage is being open and vulnerable with each other. And when you stop and pray, you're breaking down the walls and allowing God to come in and you're allowing this vulnerability where hardness wants to stop and put a wedge in between you right and so one way we we did this is praying together daily then we spread this not only to to each other but to our family and we said no matter what we knew we had to come into agreement because what happens when you come into agreement that's when God can work and we had to come in first in agreement with God and then with each other I'm going to tell you something it may have saved our marriage that right there just coming into agreement, first with God and then with each other. And God began to work with us. God began to give us direction. God began to orchestrate the steps. There was so much power in our marriage when we learned how to pray together. And I want to encourage you, whatever you're walking through today, if you can first learn how to pray together as a couple, it's a dynamic resource and it will change your situation. The second thing is we learn the power of a strong devotional life together. See, we found multiple devotionals. Some were around marriage. Some were multiple devotionals. And we, based on what we as a couple or what we were do, dealing with as individuals and a family and what we were going through, and we began to do them together. 
We start devoting together as a couple before we go to sleep. Or we do it as a family on the way to work. And listen, your devotional life will dictate your emotional life. How you respond to things, how you look at things, how you do it. That's the reason why God said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added unto you. And we get so busy with life, we forget the main thing that God wants to do. And that's to sit at his feet. Because he can, he can help us with those things. He can help us dictate those things. He can help us walk us through. Well, you know, things started to get worse with our son. And we were walking through it. He started having meltdowns. A meltdown so bad that one day my wife was at a grocery store. And he had this terrible meltdown where, where we'd never seen this. He began to bang his head on, on the floor. And, 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 and he began to scratch himself. And I remember my wife coming home just disheveled. And she said, Craig, I'm not sure if I can take it anymore. I remember my wife's my hero. You got to understand, she's one of the strongest people you'll ever meet. And I knew she was just saying that off emotion. But I remember driving to work that day, Pastor, and it was the most vulnerable I'd ever been. And as I drove to work, I asked God why. Have you ever asked God why when you're going through something? Not why we had our son, but why is he struggling so much? And I'll never forget what God spoke to me. And I believe this came out of our prayer life and our devotional life. And he said, Craig, your child is not a burden. Your child's a gift. I said, God, I know what you mean. We love our son. He said it again, Craig, your child is not a burden. Your child is a gift. You're looking at everything that's wrong with him. You're not looking at everything that's right. I said, God, what do you mean? He said, Craig, I'm going to use your son to reach millions of people. And I got to be honest with you, I didn't see it. And I remember picking up a bottle of water. I said, God, it was a vulnerable time even as a pastor. I said, God, my son can't even ask for a drink of water. How's he going to reach millions of people? I'll never forget what God spoke to me. And he spoke these four words. And these are usually the four words he'll speak to you whenever you're in the desert, whenever you're going through a difficult time. He just said, do you trust me? And I didn't give him the pastoral answer. I didn't have it. I said, God, you're all we've got. We've tried everything, but I trust you. And I thought things were going to get better, but they actually got worse. The meltdowns, the struggles. And I remember during that time, Pastor, I couldn't pray elaborate prayers. All during that time, all I could say was, I trust you. Or I'd speak the name of Jesus. And I found out with Jesus that was enough. His name is powerful, isn't it? And if you could just say, I trust you. About three months later, my wife came calling from upstairs. She said, Craig, Craig, get up here, get up here. I thought something was a matter. And I run upstairs. And my wife's crying. She said, Craig, I was putting Carn car in a bed and I was reading him a couple of books and all of a sudden he began to speak. And he began to say one word after another word, one sentence after another sentence, one paragraph after another paragraph. Now you gotta understand, I haven't heard my son communicate two words in three years. I said, what do you mean he began to speak? And she said, Craig, he began to speak. And I said, what did he say? And tears were rolling down my cheeks because I couldn't believe it. She walked over his bed, and she leaned over his bed, and she said, Connor, say it for Mommy and Daddy. Say it again. And all of a sudden, my five-year-old boy looked up, and all of a sudden, he began to look looked us in the eye, and all of a sudden, he began to speak. And he said, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will never be the same. 
I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. That was my son's first words he ever spoke. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Through that communication... See, we, we didn't know what happened, but we were bringing the DVDs of our pastor's messages home. Little did we know that Connor was taking the DVDs upstairs, and, and that's the declaration we say before every time our pastor preaches. And it didn't matter if the message changed. That declaration was at the front of it where it became his first words. Let me tell you the power of prayer. Let me tell you the power of a devotional life. God won't just use you. He'll let you speak his words, and it will change your situation. What happened from that miracle of communication? Let me tell you, our pastor spoke about that miracle, and that video went around the world, and millions of people heard that and it changed their life. You see, God knows when we lean into Him, when we begin to communicate with the, uh, each other, when we begin to pray, He can begin to change things. Now we've started through our son Connor, 86 Champions Club developmental centers around the world. One on every continent. And thousands of families are coming in. We're going to go on the journey right here with this church and see what God wants to do on down the road. But I just want to pray with you right now. If you just bow your heads with me right now. And I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what crisis you're dealing with. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's within your family. Maybe you're facing something in your life right now and you're going through a drought, a desert. But I want to encourage you. If you'll begin to use some of these steps right here that I've talked about today, God could turn that situation around because if he did it for us, he can do it for you. And if you're going through that right now, I just wanted to pray with you right now and, and just believe this, receive this. Heavenly Father, I just pray for each and every person that's here today. I don't know what they're going through, Father, but I believe today, God, that the atmosphere is shifting. And I believe if they're struggling in their marriage, God, you're going to restore their marriage today. If they're struggling in their family and their child's away from God or, or they're dealing with different things, God, you are going to break down walls and you are going to break chains and bring that back together. And I believe as we begin to effectively communicate with you as a couple, as a family, God, God, I believe that heaven is going to begin to speak and that lives are going to be changed because of that. And I pray right now, and I declare over each and every person that you are strengthening their marriage today. You are bringing healing and hope to their family. You are dealing with their situations, and you're not only bringing them out of it, but you're bringing them out better than before. And God, we thank you in advance for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. God bless you today. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you.